it all begins here. The start of a unique journey, driven by our passions, our heritage, and an unyielding force fueling us to chase our dreams. And along our voyage, we experience milestones, turning points on our road, new eras in our story. Look at the size of that! Triple H has realized his dream! And purely through the force of our own will, we conquer. We rule. We blaze new trails. And though we may stumble, only one man walked out and it was me. We find the strength to rise again and thrive. This is life. And it can be experienced only once. Like tonight. Tonight, we do something that's never been done before. Paths will cross. A match where generations collide. John Cena versus The Rock. And eras will end. We are the last of our kind. Isn't it ironic that the guy whose career you ended can quite possibly end the streak? The streak ends. The era ends. Hell in a cell. Tonight happens only once in a lifetime. Welcome to WrestleMania. I couldn't believe that Kane won this. I had no memory of this match because I think I would have been, <laughs> again, I would have been just stewing in my own juices at uh, Mother Coriander's <laughs> in 2012. And I just thought, there's two WWE wrestlers whose back catalogues. If if I had some secrets, you know, national security secrets, and you wanted me to spill those secrets, if you said to me, <laughs> you've got to watch five cane matches, I'd be like, this is where the jewels are. <laughs> this is this. This is where the hostages are. Blah blah blah. No, actually, this Hang is on. not. As... Why would why would the location of hostages be a national secret? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Turns out we've got hostage, I suppose, isn't it? And he's um, in charge, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't pick particularly good options there, but there we go. Um, actually, I didn't think this was as as bad as I thought it would be. And Randy did some stuff that, well, this is like high-flying baby-faced Randy Orton. What was going on? Um, the thing yeah. that I was most offended by, though, now, this is a purge of them. We had a little bit of a chat about how much we hate football off, off, uh, off air, and I'll bring it on air because... One of the purges in the modern game is the fucking friendship scarf to these tourists that turn up outside Fulham, getting in the way. Do you want a Fulham versus Sunderland uh, friendship scarf? No. I'm sorry, Dan, if you're listening, no offence on the Fulham and Sunderland friendship scarf because I know you bought one and that wasn't meant to offend. (laughs) But that was just that just popped into my mind. There is a reason I bought that. So we'll we'll, we'll change it from him to some other schmuck who's he's not a tourist. Some tourist. There was someone in the crowd with a half-and-half half Union Jack and Stars and Stripes flag. 
Now, fucking hell, what is your thinking there? Oh, I know. If I if I sew this flag together, then American girl might look at me and think, oh, he really likes. He's from Britain, but he also really likes America. I'm going to shag him. No, they're not. Ridiculous. Absolutely awful. Shocking. If that was you, hold your head in shame. What a try-hard loser. Stephen then attempted the same when he went to WrestleMania 31. (laughs) (laughs) I was Um, with my now wife at WrestleMania 31, actually. So, okay. Sorry, no, definitely didn't. So I definitely wasn't getting any sex either way, so. (laughs) I can safely say, given that my fiancé is America american that uh they no, 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 she's work. all of america <laughs> she is america <laughs> she is america <laughs> no yeah those scarves do work okay okay well, i mean they don't I, i'd be honest i didn't know it was in i would have been equally outraged dan why did he buy this scarf or is it a deeply personal reason no, no, no. I don't. His 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 other half sports Sunderland, so it was quite a nice thing actually. So I don't know why I brought that up. So that was that's a bad example. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. No, she doesn't support Sunderland and Fulham. No, she doesn't. That's a fair point actually. So yeah, yeah. that's a fair point. No, yeah. no, it's like I can't, I can't think of any. Yeah, anyway, anyway. Whatever. Hold on, move on um, and start talking about the match. <laughs> yeah. So. Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and today we're covering WrestleMania 28. Now we are recording this about a week before AEW's all-in, all-out game of Hokey Koki. So uh, I'm sure everybody's looking for that, forward to that. But as a consequence, we have no idea what's happened, even though this episode comes out after those two shows have taken place. One person who is all in is also here today. His name is Stephen Coriander. Stephen, how are you doing? Uh, wonderful. Um, as it stands, the weather for Sunday is absolute shit. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting very wet, sitting in the sixth row at Wembley. Um, and I hope that I haven't been hit by a bus or struck by a lightning in that time. And if so, check out my All In Weekend podcast that I've not yet started. But hopefully it'll be out <laughs> by the time you hear this. Do you think that AEW would be missing a trick if they didn't start selling Samoa Joe waterproof Oh things? my God. Yeah, that <laughs> bloody year. We've, we've got, I've, got, I've got to review that in a few weeks' time. Yeah, the, I just, I, I'm a bit worried about the weather, actually, if I'm honest, because it doesn't look very, it looks like really drizzly, horrible. Yeah, it's going to be miserable at Wembley if it's wet that night. Um, even more miserable than the booking leading up to the show, but I don't want to get too off topic. And they're not, not as miserable as the people listening to this who will already know what happened and will be like, shut <laughs> yeah, up, this is true. old news. It was the best show ever! <laughs> <laughs> and also we're joined today by old man Sam Kerry. How are you doing, old man? I'm doing all right, lads. I'm definitely all out. I ain't going to watch that fucking muck. I'm WWF <laughs> until I die. <laughs> you got to get the F out, old man. Well, to be fair, I've got the F out about 14 times so far. just trying to record this, so... Yeah, we, we, are, having some, we are having some technical difficulties with old man. He may, He's on a little bit of a lag. I think he can hear us like a second after we say stuff. So, you know, ultimately, I'll try and clear it up in edit, but... You know, this could there could be some production te- technical difficulties on this one. That's something that you get on the WWE Network quite a lot, but not for these WrestleMania shows. These are pretty much pristine in quality. As I said, we are covering WrestleMania 28 today. I, I could be honest, I was saying to Stephen off air, and I shouldn't say this because this is still the body of our podcast for the next eight, nine months. But I, as someone who's watched every single WrestleMania up to this point and will continue to do so till the end, it's a little bit WrestleMania'd out, I've got to be honest, before I started watching this one. So I was like, you know, I'm sure I'd 
be able to build up a second win for the future shows. But just this week, I was like, oh, God, I really had to build up the kind of sense of wanting to watch WrestleMania 28. And I guess that's really my my kind of expectations going in is that I knew that there was one match that I remember being good. I remember the main event being fine, but I didn't remember very much else. And so it wasn't exactly luring me in as something that I had to watch even though I did actually have to watch it. Stephen, what were your expectations? I actually thought that this would be okay. I remember watching this on the night and thinking that this was pretty good, okay to good. Like, I was looking forward to seeing CM Punk as WWE champion and seeing from that sort of era. Um, I remember the main event being particularly well built up, and I was looking forward to having the cell. So I was actually quite pumped for this one. I'm very pumped that I didn't have to watch WrestleMania 27. <laughs> no, that is definitely in our rear mirrors. And talking about once in a lifetime, I'm never watching that again. And I've watched it twice in a lifetime. I'm never going to be watching that one again. Oh, man, what were your expectations? Okay, let's come back. Let's co- let's wind back two weeks to our WrestleMania 27 episode. Oh, um, yeah, so you're going to do a re- correction here, aren't you, old man? I am indeed. So Tom and Tinky were just getting themselves in a little bit of a tiz about when we watched WrestleMania 27 and when we watched this one. So what happened is me, Tom and Tinky were living together on a road called Coronation Road in Bristol and we watched WrestleMania 27 together. Now what had happened that day is I had worked, so I used to work at a restaurant, so I'd worked that evening, came home, I had a couple of whiskeys while we were watching it and was thoroughly disappointed in what we were watching and then that was it. Basically, I think I was pretty much done with wrestling for a little bit. So didn't know Edge had retired for a few weeks. Edge retired eight days after that mania. So it wasn't the next day. So he obviously hurt himself in the match. And we watched WrestleMania 28, which is the show we're covering today, obviously. We watched that. So it was me, Tom and Tinky with friend of the show, Lek. Best wishes to his family also. Uh, We watched that at Tom's parents together and it was this show where I had been to a it's a very boring story for everyone I'd been to a charity golf day at Ashton Court it's by the restaurant I I worked at then worked a little bit that evening although no one came in and then got picked up we had Domino's Pizza lovely old job we watched all of the show got to just before the main event and I was like lads I'm so fucking tired I'm gonna have to go in got a taxi in and I'd never watched the main event. Wow. I realised that. So I was nonplussed, basically, outside of The Undertaker Triple H. And so obviously really... the shambles, shambles at the start of the show. So this really was your once in a lifetime. It was. And it made me think of the Texas song all the time I was watching it. You know, I had a very similar idea. And I'm a bit m- bit miffed you've even mentioned it because it was going to be the song at the end of the show. And uh, now it still just can be made. Yeah, but, you know, it feels all like the... a cheat. Feels like yeah. a cheat now. Well, and also you'd be breaking the rules of the song. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, because you're only supposed to listen to it once. Yeah, it's got that weird, like breathy bit by Charlie Spiteri, isn't it? <sighs> that one. Yeah. I'm not super familiar with this song, but I think I recognise the breathy bit. But now I still can't quite connect <laughs> the dots, unfortunately. I, the thing is, though, I'm going to be Texas honest. Songs sound the same, and that that's like could very well be. I could we could very well be thinking about say what you want, which has also got a breathy bit. I think. Mm. So I think that Stephen's thinking about a different video with the Charlene who did some spitting. That's so, what not I'm thinking sh- of. Sh- I, I, well, when you said Charlene, I, so I immediately thought of Carly Minogue in Neighbours. That would have been all very wholesome stuff. Not oh. any spitting in that. Though perhaps, uh, oh, perhaps <laughs> spat on Michael Hutchins later on when he taught her some dirty tricks and she left Jason Donovan. 
took her to the dark side. It's taking a very dark and, <laughs> and twisted turn. So let's move on as quickly as we can. We've got to get to our talking points for the show. I think we're going to start with you, Stephen, because I'm still a bit bit concerned about old man's uh, internet connection. So I'm keeping okay. it, so, so, it clean. And let's be honest, my general sanity. <laughs> we're quite a lot of interesting and strange tangents so far. Um, and talking about strange things, where do you go on a talking point for WrestleMania 28? Do you talk about Rock and Cena, you know, one of the biggest wrestling matches ever? Do you talk about Undertaker versus Triple H? Or do you talk about somebody call my mama? <laughs> what do you talk about, Stephen? I you think we me. talk about that in a show with a runtime of three hours and 50 minutes and total bell to bell wrestling content of one hour and 57 minutes. They found time for us to call our mama or mamas. And I was sat in my sat in my mamas watching this in 20. What was it? Thank you. I wasn't. Yeah. 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 In my mum's house rather than <laughs> a vagina. I should point that out. Um, <laughs> we weren't looking for the explicit kind of breakdown of we've, that. We've gone there. Um, yeah, Lewis was there as usual, and I sat aghast at what was what was presented. This woman, grey wig, large prosthetic ass, the Bridge Club, same look. I did wonder what dear Matthew would think of this. That was my first thought. Like, this is absolutely shockingly terrible. So my question and my talking point is, combined, was this p- worse than Piper and the guy at WrestleMania 5? Was this worse than Kid Rock and his various things? Was this worse than Lemmy out of his mind forgetting all of the songs of Triple H's entrance music? Was this worse than Aki Bono versus Big Show? Worse than Triple H's never-ending snooze fest in multiple WrestleMania main events. And even worse than a Roddy Piper and a very questionable paint job. Worse than Hogan at WrestleMania 9. Worse than the boyhood dream coming true. Was this the worst thing in WrestleMania history? <laughs> the anti-MVP of WrestleMania history is what you're you're, you're yeah. questioning. Well, yeah. I mean, to this point, possibly. I mean, I guess what I will say is there's a couple of things going for it. First of all, brevity. I'm a big fan of brevity, and this didn't last particularly long. Certainly didn't last as long as Triple H's war fest over the years. It's also got the going for it that if Matt had been watching it, he would be absolutely raging. So that's good. That's good. That's as far as I'm concerned. I'm happy with that. So in that respect, no. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty fucking awful i think he's also a little bit racist so it kind of matches roddy piper yeah, a yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of matches roddy piper and bad news brown um in that respect so it's a contender put it that way i mean we're mm. like, we're only up to wrestlemania 28 there are another however many 12 wrestlemanias to go on this journey so it could be beaten but up to this point i think it's definitely a contender in terms of racism i don't think it's quite as bad as the treatment of booker t for wrestlemania 19 because that was over and in your face and obviously there's this aforementioned stuff with piper and bad news brown as well this is weird this because i don't know why it happens i don't understand it so there's a story and because i'd never seen this until this point all i know is that so when Brodus Clay called his mum was when I left Tom's parents' house. So I'd never seen this. And I heard that the story was, was that John Cena needed a crap. And he basically <laughs> went over and he basically told Vince and then he went over to Brodus. He was like, I need, I need five. Now, obviously that's utter flannel because there's all these ladies dressed in the same garb and it's just shit. Like the story is shit. This is terrible. Like this is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. But I'll tell you what it does. It brings you down for the main event. And I think that's actually quite important because, and we'll get into Jericho Punk, I think they somehow, and we'll talk about the match, somehow they got 
the crowd going towards the end, the last three, four minutes of that match. They get the crowd, and I think that, that would have really worked against the way that the main event plays out. So I think it actually serves its purpose quite well, but it is fucking awful. Brothers plays a trumper as well. We don't want any part of that. I actually interviewed him years ago because he was in a film and I used to review DVD releases for our website. He is a perfectly nice man. And then the next day I saw on a news article that he said something terrible on Fox News. I was like, oh, Brodus, 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 Brodus. But I'll tell you what, the mum gets one heck of a pot. (laughs) One heck of a pot, in fairness. Utter shit. I don't think it's the worst thing. I think in terms of segments, it's up there, but I'm kind of with Tinky in that it doesn't last long enough to stay in my mind very long. Whereas like like the stuff with Piper at WrestleMania 7 with the smoking guy, that goes on about a week and a half, I think. <laughs> like, it's terrible. But shit. Yeah, that's it. It is shit. Um, just to let you know, Brodus Clay is the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion. So uh, Lou Thez is uh, proud, I'm sure. <laughs> Spinning. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's always good to hear that song. Uh, it is. A, I think it is a tune, isn't it, if I'm honest? Uh, well, I think yeah. it's just another song that probably Matt hates. So it's, again, love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because me and Tommy have a special relationship with that song because another wrestler used it, and I can't remember who. Ernest Miller. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on the... On the WrestleMania 22 pre-show Battle Royal is when uh, Taz is singing it. And then he's next to JR. He goes, come on, JR. (laughs) And me and Tom love it. We've mentioned this before. We fucking love it. Ah, good stuff. Yeah, so this is obviously Brutus Clay, current NWA World Heavyweight Champion, plus Cameron and Naomi. course who is uh mm-hmm. yeah, had a very decent wwe career and now currently is working in impact as trinity which is a real name of course and yeah this basically is a, a big old dance where brodus clay brings out his mama and the bridge <laughs> club and they dance along to somebody called my mama the song that was originally used by ernest miller that's it that's how it went uh, Stephen, does that answer your question i think well, i think you, you, a little you bit. convinced me that it's not so yeah perhaps i actually <laughs> really loved it I actually loved it. So, yeah, I've checked my mind. <laughs> I do actually have a question about this segment. And I thought this. So when I was watching it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is not very good. It's very shit, but whatever. Then I was like, hang on. Someone thought of this. And then they went through it. And someone, obviously Vince, eventually at some point said, you know what? I like it. I that's really good. I think that's really good. I think that's the perfect thing to bring in before the main event. That is absolutely perfect. And this is the biggest pay-per-view ever. Uh, 1.3 million people. And I was like, I was like, oh, fucking hell. Come on. Well, this was the time when Vince had like little strange periods of time where he really got obsessed by certain things. So Bruce Clay was his thing at this time. But then a year later, it'd be Fandango. And then a year after that, I think he was a massive fan of Big E and wanted to give him a big singles push. And then mm. just loses interest after a couple of months and then gives up. Mm. And, and just it's just where he was at the time. I don't think it is the most bought WrestleMania of all time. I think it. I think they said it was at the time that it, afterwards and that but because early estimations were so high but i think that the trump one still beats it slightly and i've got this wrong because i had an argument with well i've had uh, many arguments on twitter over the years constantly and <laughs> i think i no. think wrestlemania 23 is slightly bigger well i don't want to i don't want to believe it so <laughs> <laughs> so you could say it trumped it yeah so, so even if you look you look on a bleacher report thing i uh, basically okay so i'll, I'll go i'll go with this dave Meltzer reports that 23 beat Fuck 28 off. So, yeah, <laughs> I know I know what you mean. I think but this Bleach Report thing does suggest that 20, this one was bigger, but I don't think that's right. 
I don't think okay, that's so right. Okay, so I'm looking at another source, which is actually WrestleTalk.com. So, um, They've listed out the pay-per-view buys for every pay-per-view that's ever happened. Yeah. They've got WrestleMania 23 at 1.18 million, and they've got WrestleMania 28 uh, at 1.25 million. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who's to say? I, I've who's always, to say? I've always, well, the official figures will, and, and if only I had the time to dig through all of WWE's annual reports, I could probably figure yeah, it all yeah. out. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I'm not going to do that. So I'm just going to carry on as if this is the biggest WrestleMania of all time. Because yeah. we said it on the podcast in the past. So I don't want to make liars of us all. No. And I think it it, it kind of basically is. If you're talking about the difference of 50 or 75,000 buys, it's a phenomenal thing. whatever, whatever Whichever way it, it swings, basically. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Yeah, old man, what's your talking point? Well, I thought quite hard about what I was going to do. And I'm going to have to do it because I can't wear Coriander's view on it. The end of an era. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, the Hell in a Cell match between, so it's Triple H and The Undertaker with HBK Shawn Michaels as the guest referee. And it's effectively, I mean, this got touched upon in the WrestleMania 27 episode. This is a kick on from the previous year's Mania when Undertaker wasn't able to leave the arena on his own two feet. Had to be uh, wheeled out. Probably because he's old as well, let's be honest. And probably wasn't all the injuries in the ring. He's a bit old as well. And Triple H walked out, even though he lost. Still lost. Pathetic, really. A pathetic to hold on to it for a year. But yeah, so that's the scene that they set. And boy, do they make it feel special. Now, before I see Coriander, he bloody wants it. He wants it. <laughs> so the two entrances, so sorry, the three entrances, one I have an issue with, Shawn Michaels, right? He gets interviewed just before by Matt Stryker, and he is deadly serious. He's like putting over the end of an era thing. It's not a bad little backstage segment. It's not best to be honest but then he's not really trying to sell anything is he then he comes down to the ring and he's dancing in that and i'm like come on mate don't do that don't do that and he's having fun and sorry just before this jr comes out which is a lovely moment because much like in the previous year they wanted apparently all three and they were like we want jr calling this like if this is the end of an era in inverted commas then that's what we want and they had him sean michaels does give a lovely Little salute and double thumbs up to JR, and he looks so happy to see him, which is nice. And then you get Triple H that comes down, and it's it's got that weird like Castle Grey Skull thing, which he walks out of, which looks a bit hokey. And then you got Undertaker's 48 minute entrance, and then the Undertaker and Triple H are face to face, they're staring at each other. After the Undertaker takes his little hat, his little hood off, and he's got a mohawk, and everyone's like, "Oh my God!" Apparently, he cut his hair. For every day that he didn't beat Triple H. Doesn't make any sense to me, to be <laughs> honest. I I mean, for a start, what if it had gone another few days? He'd have had no hair. He'd have been cutting into his skull. But anyway, that's just silly. But yeah, and then they they have a look up and then they play The Memory Remains by Metallica as the cell lowers down. And I was like, you know what? Fair fucks to them because I've only watched it the once. Their match at 27, in my mind, is fucking awful. Boring, is slow, is plodding, doesn't mean anything, no one gives a shit. I certainly didn't give a shit. But they had me here. They were like, this is important. Like they'd set a proper scene for this. And I was like, oh lovely. And I was like, oh I just gonna have to go for a wee a minute. I realised an hour and twenty minutes into the card. I'm like, fucking hell boys, you're ruining everything after this with this. And the match happens and for me, I thought this was fucking brilliant i know this was such a brilliant piece of work like 
it is WWE old school. Like, it's just two guys punching and kicking, and then they do their finishes. There is a false finish where, so, Shawn Michaels, who is threatening after Triple H wells on Undertaker with a chair to call the match off, he puts him in Hell's Gate, and then Triple H helps him get out by dropping a little elbow on the Undertaker. And then there's about a minute of stuff, and Undertaker turns around into a sweet chair music straight into a pedigree, and there's a false finish that is fan-fucking-tastic, and the crowd eat it up. I remember when I watched it the first time, I ate it up a bit. The second time I watched it, I ate it up even more and then they just work they just work it brilliantly i think they just put on a little a little master class of two guys who are very limited in reality in their actual in-ring work but with the help of the referee being hbk charles robinson comes down at one point and uh takes a lovely pack slam by the taker he's definitely protecting him but i thought this was fantastic loved it and i really want to know what stephen thinks this was the Young Bucks spot, Sam. This is this is the this is the, the match that you get everything in it, but it's really early in the show, so it kills everything that comes afterwards, basically. <laughs> yeah. I really liked this when I first watched it. I really, really liked it, and I like their 20, WrestleMania 27 match as well. Actually, I remember watching that in the build-up to this, thinking they've got a lot to live up to. I, I did like the 27 match. I had a lot of problems here. Now, one of the things that may come up in this is, and you guys may have had to suffer this already. This is the first time I've turned the WWE Network on since they re- since the redesign. Oh my god. Oh, it's fucking hell. As I tweeted, there's a special place in hell for the person that redesigned that. So I dared. So one of the things I do on all, anytime I see The Undertaker now, fast forward is through that entrance. As I said many WrestleManias ago, once you've seen one entrance, you've seen a lot. What did I get as a result of that? I got buffering. I got Spanish comment. I got the Spanish commentary on for some reason. Yeah. God knows why. What is yeah. that? If you come out of the English commentary on an English network, you automatically get the Spanish commentary because it's the first in the list. It's just it's unbelievably bad. Unbelievably bad. So I had a lot of problems in the early. So this is definitely, a, I'm, not, I'm not going back to the start talk. <laughs> again i can't touch it because it will it will like explode my television and i had a lot of problems at the start i thought okay but well, i'm gonna settle down i've got it working and i got into it but then i had a massive problem with something some of the philosophical storytelling in this why did Shawn michaels give a shit about the undertaker because he was like oh triple h don't you have to hurt him so Respect. much blah 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 but why though why he ended his career they were always always enemies backstage and in front of the camera so i just didn't get that really i was like why and then he was like has there ever been a hell in a cell stopped was that was that fiend and seth rollins one stopped was that a dq or something i don't know but it's like they should have yeah they should they should yeah they should have stopped it but i'm like that really took me out of it and then but to be fair to what they were doing the crowd was all over this absolutely all over this so i i just i think you know without the technical issues would i have liked it a bit more possibly but i did have a massive problem with that bit with, with michaels i'm like i don't really get it i also think they peaked with that the super kick into the pedigree was a phenomenal near fall but they peaked and they didn't quite get back to that i didn't think so it probably went on about three or four minutes too long you know clearly clearly this was an artistic success for the at the time i really enjoyed it at the time and for the crowd but on second viewing i just had a few issues with this so i didn't hate it but I also didn't love it. I'm somewhere in the middle on it. I didn't have a problem with HBK trying to stop Triple H because I think there is a healthy respect and you can kind of get, I can get past that because they had the moment at the end of the match at 26 where Undertaker picks up Shawn Michaels and he calls in the best ever, which I mean, must have boiled your piss. And <laughs> then the, 
Yeah, and then the the next night on Raw, Undertaker comes out in full garb and just tips his hat to him. Joe, so well, fair I enough, I've get... forgotten some of that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But still, Sorry, come Tiki. on, Shawn Michaels. Just finish him <laughs> off. Uh, I don't know what to say about this. I don't... I, I think it's really good. I try and give... Just for my own notes, I give give a rating for every match out of 10. Just really for my own kind of understanding of where I think the match is. I gave their match at WrestleMania 27 a 7 out of 10. And I give this an 8 out of 10. Um, I guess you could say it's four, four and a half, maybe. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't really know how it works. My average is six, though. So as I've said many times before, so it doesn't make any sense. And I realized, I think I know why it is a six now. I, I realized because I was, I just had a little play of it this, this weekend. Football manager, an average rating on football manager is about 6.7, 6.8. Yeah. So I think that's where it comes from. Is the idea that six is is an average? I've no idea why, but it's the only thing which I've regularly had a rating out of ten on in anything I've kind of done or played. So I think that's what it is. So I thought this was a really ex yeah really really good match. What I think has got over the WrestleMania 27 one is that it's first of all in the Hell in a Cell, and that's really only there for visual and visual aid. There's no they don't actually use the cell for anything other than it just yeah. looking better and be adding a stipulation onto it Shawn Michaels adds a lot as the referee and I think actually whilst I kind of I can see why there there would be a kind of a disbelief of Shawn Michaels respect for the Undertaker I think that makes this match much better I think the 27 one as I said two weeks ago just there's just too much selling it just goes on forever the selling in that match which makes it really boring at times this they have quite a lot of selling but because Shawn Michaels is doing his He's telling that story in between. There's, there's still something going on, something to invest in whilst all that's happening. And then, yes, as you said, the, the Shawn Michaels and Triple H superkick pedigree spot is sensational. I remember really loving it at the time, and I thought it was great here as well. But completely agree with you, Stephen. Goes on for at least three or four minutes too much. Just should just end shortly after that. There's no reason for it to, to go on for too much longer. In the end, it was a half an hour long match, and I just it just didn't didn't need to be there. And also, it's kind of this is the thing. That, I'm going to do my my whole Triple H is the Antichrist thing again. But this is the whole thing about Triple H is you just know that he's happy to lose these matches knowing full well that he can ensure that it's booked and it, it's agented and it is played out in a way that makes him still looks like an absolute god basically he can kick out of everything he, you know and it'll take you know nearly everything to beat him and so I, that always leaves a bad taste in my mouth i thought a lot about you old man during this match because this was the match that you kept thinking oh, nice. was the match at wrestlemania 25 between Shawn michaels and the undertaker so um it's nice to see that you finally got your wish <laughs> also one thing that did immediately stand out to me was jim ross's early call in this match which was that um, (laughs) Undertaker was throwing carcinogenic right hands yeah, I wasn't sure what part of carcinogenic it could possibly be, but that was Jim Ross's early call. That stood out a mile. I don't know why. I just thought it was a bit of a silly call, if anything, more than anything else. I didn't find what? it particularly. I didn't find it particularly um, <laughs> insulting or, or, or in bad taste. I just found it to be a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> Loved the Charles, Charles Robinson running, you know, running down again as fast as he possibly could. Yeah, I said not a huge amount to 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 talk about for this. I think the difficult thing for me at the end of the whole thing is the three of them walking out together, arm in arm, kind of supporting each other. And I get that there's respect there, but this suddenly became like as if these three people were old mates. And even if that was the case behind the scenes, which it wasn't, even if it was, it certainly wasn't the case in the canon of WWE. So why is that happening? You know, that that just, for me, that was a bit of a nonsense in general. It's fine. It's it's a really good match. I struggled to pull it apart too much. I thought it was, it was a really good match, but didn't have a lot 
to discuss about it. I just don't have an awful lot to say about it. It's a strange one. And you've said most of it anyway. My talking point, I'm going to at some point try and pick out a match here to talk about, but it's it's a general thing about the whole show. Matt said on our WrestleMania 27 review that what he wants from WrestleMania are great matches. That was his thing. He said, I want great matches. I want, rest- you know, this is WrestleMania. There should be great matches. That's all I want. And I, I feel like he's not, I don't really think he's fully understand. No, that's not the right word. I don't. Matt think- doesn't understand. You don't understand, <laughs> Matt, I'm afraid. I mean, he doesn't, but that's not what I'm looking for in this particular <laughs> occasion. No, I think Matt feels that way because it was the first WrestleMania he watched was WrestleMania 17. And mm. that was really, really good. And, and after that, in fairness, the three or four years after that, play host to loads of good matches. You know, it's it's a it's a big match, great match, period. But prior to WrestleMania 17, and for large periods after that period, in fairness, that hasn't been what WrestleMania is. That's not, WrestleMania should not be able to get that reputation because it isn't that thing. It's never really been that thing. And I feel like if you took, if you gave, if you put together an algorithm that looked at all the, all the other WrestleManias, in fact, all WrestleManias, and then spat out an average for what WrestleMania is, it would be this show in that it's got, the big stars against one another, two big matches, everything else relatively throwaway, loads of celebrity stuff, musical performances, the Brodus Clay nonsense, the Maria Menounos in a tag team match that means nothing in the, you know for the women, the big show getting a getting a victory, the short you know opening match that they do like last 20 seconds. All of that stuff is basically as if an a, a piece of AI has generated WrestleMania and this is what they've spat out at the end of it. And it felt like that's probably because this was Vince's dream idea of a WrestleMania. Like it's not particularly wrestling heavy, but when it is wrestling heavy, it's big stars, really big. John Cena, Rock, Undertaker, Triple H, all of the equities going into that. Each of those matches last half an hour and then loads of other faff. During the Rock Cena match doesn't last half an hour. In truth, it lasts like 50 minutes. There's a huge amount of stuff that goes on around the Rock and Cena match. And the Undertaker Triple H match equally lasts a long time because of their entrances and everything. And then the Metallica thing, as we said, it's just if it really feels like this is the what's the word I'm looking for, the template by which Vince wanted all WrestleManias to be. And you've got it here. And in that you've overall, to my mind, got a quite shallow wrestlemania artistically yeah. it's it's very face value it's very on the surface you dig a little bit into the show there's really not a lot going on there's really not a lot to there's not a lot of artist artist artistry behind it there's not a lot of it's not a lot of huge huge amounts of quality to it it's a very on the surface this is shiny new massive big and the quality is kind of there but it's very very surface level and there's not much going on underneath and i i don't know if that makes any sense or not but that's how i felt coming out of it was i guess similar to what i was saying about Undertaker triple h i don't there's not a lot i can say about the show because there's not a lot going on other than what you see in front of you this huge show within a massive massive stadium massive pay-per-view buy rate regardless of whether it was the record or not two massive matches and then the rest just chucked out there just to fulfill that variety style performance which is what wrestlemania has always really been contrary to what matt was saying about what he thinks wrestlemania is and i think a lot of people think that i think a lot of people think oh wrestlemania is the place where all the best matches happen never really been the case and this for me kind of embodied what wrestlemania really is this show overall i guess to that point i'll go on i'll talk about the main event and the everything that surrounds it sorry steven i know you love to take that on last no it's all right it's all right you can let me down again ben it's okay it's all right 
Good. Good. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased. Because what I want to say about it, not necessarily, I won't necessarily go into the quality just yet, but this is what happened. So we've got Justin Roberts. No, first of all, we've got a hype video for the main event, which includes sit-down interviews with Cena and The Rock. We talk about the importance of WrestleMania. We get funds. We are young, playing over the top, and clips of the their history as, as you know in in the career then you get justin roberts introducing sean combs who introduces i don't know why he's got to introduce machine gun kelly to perform invincible he then performs that then cena enters then flow rider comes out performs two songs and then the rock comes out like what the hell is going on flow rider performs wild ones and sometimes i believe are the names of the songs sire or sia don't know how you pronounce today is on wild ones with uh, flow rider Get to, then you've got the Rocky does his long entrance, like always, like, you know, gets in the ring, salutes every part of the, the arena. Then we get the half an hour match, half an hour match in the Rock and Cena as well. Oof. And then we get, you know, the celebrations after. And I just thought even this, everything I've just said about WrestleMania is kind of put then into a microcosm just for this match. This hour long bit is Vince McMahon's wet dream of WrestleMania. It's it's celebrities, it's musical performances, it's the biggest star in the world, The Rock, it's the other biggest star in wrestling, John Cena. They have a match, it's played before great crowd noise, and they go home and they have a they have a popular victory at the end. It was just everything about WrestleMania that Vince McMahon wants came in this match. And it doesn't doesn't necessarily make for great room for the wrestling purist put it that way but this is the vision that vince has always had and i think he probably never realized it quite as well as he did on this night i think i might be about to shock you ben actually <laughs> what's that i consider myself a wrestling purist okay um i love this i loved it they did such a good job with this match this felt humongous i remember i was hooked on every single promo in the build-up and i actually hooked I actually was supporting Cena in this because I was still in the bitter barn about Dwayne and Hollywood and all that nonsense. But I thought you mentioned in the, the, the kind of sit down interviews that gave me chills up my spine. And I just like this is unbelievable. And usually I'd hate the music stuff, but this was like stratospheric. This was like a different thing. This was just so, so big that it just for some reason, Machine Gun Kelly coming out and then doing that song, and then him slagging off the rock was just like, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Like it's so so good. Flowrider as well. Two bangers for the ages. Put these put these on in any Linekers in Europe, and I'm there. I'm running as fast <laughs> as I can to get on that dance floor. Absolutely love it. And I thought the match was just. I don't know who put this together. I don't know if Patterson was still around, but this was this was Warrior Hogan level of being laid out. This was inc- just for these two. I mean, was it was the work sometimes at the absolute highest level? No, but who cares? It didn't matter because you know everyone, pretty much the overwhelming majority of people watching them in miami that night and also watching around the world this is why it did so well on pay-per-view 1.2 million buyers whichever way you look at it top or or second that is incredible for professional wrestling 1.2 million people buying a wrestling pay-per-view is out of this world what i don't know what aew's top top whack on pay-per-view under 200,000. you know this is 1.2 million people around the world buying a wrestling pay-per-view phenomenal um when i thought that this was a great WrestleMania main event. I actually had this as my match of the night. I thought this was better than the, the more critically acclaimed Hell in a Cell. And actually, The Rock winning at the time, though obviously with hindsight and where they were going, once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime, which always, I remember I went to the Royal Rumble the year after, and I was like tweeting, you can't imagine me being argumentative on Twitter at all. And I was tweeting, <laughs> Cena's going to win, it's really predictable, Rock's going to beat Punk, but it's okay, because, you know, that's fine. I wasn't moaning about that. I had loads of people going, ah, oh, it's not going to be, it's not going to be Rock 
and Cena it was once in a lifetime last year. And I'm like, are you fucking idiots? But yeah, this was and the Rock going back to what I was saying, the Rock winning was genuinely shocking because you had no idea this was going to be a, a two match series. I think most people probably thought Cena beats a Rock and that's that's the end. You've done the two WrestleManias and that, that's it over. But again, the the bit where Cena tried to do the um, five knuckle shuffle, Rock got up, Rock bottom pinned him. I watched that back even with all even with Spanish commentary on, even with buffering. I watched that back three times because it was so so good. This, as I said, my match of the night MVP was the Rock who didn't miss a beat when he had every every right to miss a beat. Uh, and my second MVP was to the guy with a sign that said, "I've got an eruption," which I thought was inspired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal phenomenal match let's go back to the start of it so the build video i thought was okay my issue with it was that it didn't really feed into any feud really like it didn't really play into it but i think kind of to your point Tiggy, they didn't really want that they just wanted this to be a demonstration of the two biggest people possible at uh, this moment in time without austin being obviously able or willing to wrestle didn't hear who did he introduced so I didn't know that MGK was Machine Gun Kelly. But I had to put the pieces together afterwards, oh man, don't worry. Didn't enjoy his performance at all, really. But the way he got the heat on Cena, I thought was, to your point, Stephen, I thought it was phenomenal. I was like, this guy has fucking nailed it. Because he was like, this is the biggest ego. He shat on the rock. And I was like, this is this is first class professional wrestling and this guy's in a band called MGK in my mind anyway and I was like <laughs> fucking cracking stuff Flow Rider I thought was actually uh, that first time he did was fucking awful <laughs> fucking terrible so I got I got to be honest, me, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of sometimes but Wild Ones I actually really like I've always really liked it it's one of those sort of guilty well, pleasures I got to be honest it, it, is that the second one or the first yeah, one? Yeah, the one with Saya or Sia, whatever she's called. Yeah, yeah. I quite like that one. Her vocal is tremendous on that. I thought I think, I think that's, that's why what I it like is. it. Yeah, I think that's why I yeah. like that. But then they finish, they all stand still, and the rock comes out and the place goes fucking bananas, obviously. And they, they do it's the one time they do it, and it's obviously planned. They do a wide shot of the stage and you've got the the rock, so the rock either side of the entrance ramp and then the WrestleMania writing is lit up as well and it's like a screen and they've got the electricity running through that and behind it and it looked fan-fucking-tastic. I was like, this looks extraordinary. This is like, this has been produced to the nth degree and it's worth every fucking second. And I'm kind of with you, Stephen. It's not my match of the night. Triple H, Undertaker gets it. But I thought it was going to get it by a country mile. And it gets it only by a little bit. The Rock Sharpshooter is atrocious. Like, even worse than usual. But I don't know how he hasn't learned how to do it properly. It's not that difficult. Tom's put it on me before. Cena's big legs probably didn't help, did that, I think. That's fair, actually. Cena puts on a, an STF that is, I was going to say, up there with the worst. But it's not. It's just par for the course but it don't fucking matter does it it does not matter like you said the finish is phenomenal because Cena throws off his little bicep band throws it in the ground. everyone does the little like arms across the they always do when they're mocking him they always do it so half-heartedly that's why it works for the rock because he's all in every time he does it and I was caught off guard by the end and I thought it was a pretty bloody good end and i accidentally saw that the match was half hour before mm. it started and i was like jesus fucking christ really <laughs> whipped by whipped by so it was really really good considering 
who you've got. You've got not even a part-timer. He wrestled at, is it Survivor Series he wrestles at? Yeah. With Cena when they tag against the Miz and R-Truth. Two pretty basic but steady hands to go against. And then he wrestles this match. And you're like, obviously there's going to be trainable. But I thought, like you said, Stephen, he didn't miss a beat. I thought he was tremendous. Cena is so incredibly limited and safe as well. And that's why I think it works so well. I know that the rock, he rocked, there was hamstring in this one and he tore his abductor off the bone in the second one, I think. But they're safe with each other. They're careful with each other. And I thought it was bloody great. And I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed it, really, because I was no fan of the rock coming back at this point. I was with you, Stephen. I wasn't like, oh, I don't want a fucking Hollywood cunt or anything like that. <laughs> I was just like, I don't want him. And then you look at the card, and like, to your point, Tinky, about how you've got two main matches and then the rest of it's just throwaway. Of course it fucking is. Look at the look at the roster they've got. I, I genuinely think that with a couple of months training, we may have got a match on this card. That's three. Tom. Possibly not. Matt, I don't know. Not sure, to be <laughs> honest. Because he'd have insisted on coming down to some really crap rock music and Vince would have said no. But yeah, good shit. I feel like I need to go back and watch it again. I didn't dislike it. Uh, let me just firstly say that again. Going to my... No, no you hate it. My, See in your eyes. Going to, going to the ratings that I put down for myself. I gave this a 7 out of 10. So I'm not saying this is bad. At yeah. All. I just... Oh. You are there, old man. Okay. You, you, really want to, you really want to interrupt me, don't you? <laughs> No, I was just going to say, I was like, don't get me wrong. This is a 7 out of 10, but I was expecting a 4 out of 10. That, that's the thing. It's the expectation against the reality. I disagree, actually. If, if we're going pure stars, I'd probably give this somewhere between 4.25 and 4.5. And that's how much I liked it. I thought the presentation, if you take the whole presentation, I thought it was phenomenal. So that's a, that's a 9 out of 10, right? That's what four I and a half is a 9 out of 10. Yeah, yeah probably yeah. not quite 4.25. 4.25. So 8 and a half, I'd say. Yeah, I'll go four point three four. There you go. <laughs> I think I think this is the part of the star rating that I hate the most, which is why I've always rated everything out of ten. Because I'm like, what's the fucking point in having point five and point two five? Surely you just <laughs> extend it to ten, and then you don't have to worry about these flipping decimal places. I feel I do know what you're saying, Ben, but in my mind there is a difference between four, four point two five, four point five, four point seven five. Oh, that's yeah. Fine, I, fine. Rate it out of twenty then, and give it well, that, seventeen. That's, you, you, that's right. You're absolutely right. It is out. It is out of twenty. It is out of twenty isn't it really yeah and not Rate anymore, it out of 100 well, i was gonna say not anymore because it's now up to what 30 isn't it if, if you count seven i don't want to go there because i've had too many arguments with people on twitter about it and you don't want that content on here but it's very boring no so I, I liked it i think to be honest also i i gotta be honest i was fighting back the desire to fall asleep whilst i was watching this i was in i was knackered and i was like i gotta i've got to watch this i've got to finish watching it and i just a lot of it passed without any real i've got loads and loads of notes but i can't remember how i can remember hardly any of it now having you know played it you know having listened to you guys talking about it and so i just didn't yeah i just didn't get that that same sense of this is amazing like i did feel like whoever put it together did a great job and for them to go half an hour and it not to feel that long is impressive the fact that these two went for half an hour like it just doesn't feel like they should be capable of it and they were it's still a still a good match my match tonight is the undertaker triple h hat the cell match but i did like this but not quite as much as certainly you did steven it's just yeah just i don't know why it just didn't just didn't quite work the same way for me for example they tried to be 
the Rock Hogan-ish from WrestleMania 18. That's kind of where they try to pitch this. Crowd weren't mm. into it quite as much as that. No. So that a lot of that fell a little flat for me. But they did a lot of stuff early on that was quite similar to what the Rock and Hogan did. They did the stare where they both looking out into the crowd. They then did sort of the the collar and elbow tie-ups and forcing them down onto the floor, which Hogan and Rock did. It just didn't didn't hit as well. To your point, old man, about the sharpshooter. It's not so much that he hasn't improved at any point doing this move. It's that he continued to try and do it, I think, is the issue. I think if you if you if you're somebody who watches your stuff back and thinks, how can I improve? You just go, yeah, maybe I should drop that sharpshooter because it doesn't look yeah. good at all. And finally, once in a lifetime, I do want to talk about this because I want to. Uh, my question is, do we think that they believe that there would be a main event the following year at this point in time? One hundred percent. OK, yeah. fine. I just wondered whether or not they they had an option to do it, but didn't know for definite that they would. Maybe they waited for the pay-per-view, the buy rate to come in and then go... Yeah, we got to do that again. I feel like the punks. I think everything. So punk and punk turned a rock on on Raw one thousand, didn't he? Yeah. I think. I I reckon that they had everything from that. So they had punk and rock at the Royal Rumble and the rematch, and then the final match. And I think they had the whole series laid out. Probably not the punk bit as early as that, but I reckon they might have had a two match series in mind at twenty seven. Otherwise, maybe the rock doesn't win. So I, I do yeah, think maybe. this is yeah. I do think this is all laid out. Well, I guess that's the other thing. I thought maybe they didn't give John C the title for this match. Because they wanted The Rock to win. And they weren't mm. certain he was going to wrestle again. Maybe, yeah. I, I'm not saying that they didn't always have it in mind to be like, we probably will do a rematch. But I just wonder whether they didn't know for definite. Like, they were like, we want to see how this goes. We want to see how The Rock gets through, gets through the match. He, like, he might get injured and we may not be able to do it again. Like, you know, and I think certainly after the second one, I think he was told quite and in no uncertain terms by a lot of people who invested time and money in him. Do not do that again because you yeah. you held up movie productions, for example, as a consequence of this. And so I just I wonder whether or not whilst they were always had it in mind that they thought they might do it or they want to do it, that they didn't know for definite that they would do it. Yeah. And I guess you don't get there without Rock winning. do You, you don't get round two if Cena wins the first one. So even if you don't if you don't know for 100 percent. You have to have Rock win, I suppose, don't you, to get to get back. And I actually thought that, let's go for too far ahead, but it's a pretty tremendous story, actually, the way they did the title from, really, from Money in the Bank, apart from the bit with Alberto Del Rio, so perhaps from when, from when Punk won the title back, that top-line top stuff was actually pretty good at WWE throughout that time. Rock coming back and winning the title and then doing Cena again. Pretty predictable, maybe, at that point, but actually predictable was not bad. And going back to what, what another thing on this match, it was joyous at the end, and I think that thing doesn't happen enough in wrestling like we didn't get that with cody this year you may have heard me mention that once or twice but i think <laughs> providing joy to people on, on professional wrestling is such a massive thing there's nothing well there may have been something all in i can't see it now five or six days away that's going to get anywhere near that and i think providing people that really uplifting wonderful people in his hometown the rock wins in his comeback unbelievable i just think it's so good and you should be i think a lot more wrestling should be booked at that to try and provide people with like really happy moments because for no other reason that's the reasons why we still watch it right because our emotive our emotive kind of instinct is to be nostalgic about these moments in the past that we enjoyed and got joy from so 
either they, for example if there were lots of young people really invested in cody rhodes winning the wwe title at wrestlemania they may never associate wrestling with that joyful feeling and they may never stay stick around and continue to feed wwe's need for customers that's so key that association is what brings you back is that there's that yeah. warm feeling you feel and you felt since you were seven years old you know it's that's what that's what brings you keeps you bringing in coming in so i think you're absolutely right i said it on the last episode if they're going to have heel wins occasionally at WrestleMania, i think that's fine because i think you do need to provide that sense of doubt to make things really tick along but you don't want to have that happen very regularly it's got to be very very rarely that the heel wins the main event of wrestlemania and you don't provide this kind of sense of joy i don't think it's especially amazingly booked but i do think that it's definitely ambitious for wwe to do something like this and strangely they were doing it seemingly a lot at this point in time Shawn michaels and undertaker have two matches in two wrestlemanias undertaker and triple h the same and then of course this match goes for two wrestlemanias as well there's almost a sense of multi-year wrestlemania build and i think because they're leaning on all the part-time guys the guys that aren't there all the year mm-hmm. through they're kind of having to resort to that i mean this was the undertaker's first match of the year at this show um he didn't wrestle at all between wrestlemanias 27 and 28 if that's happening there's only one way to book it and that is across uh, multiple years which is i think was a, a detriment to the product overall because i think it did make everything else seem less important less interesting but in terms yeah. of the wrestlemania build it, it definitely was quite ambitious and different from what perhaps wwe had been used to doing for a long time prior to this well like going back to the whether this was meant to be a too much thing i think also if they had it in their mind it gives both sides an out as well because you imagine if this had done even eight hundred thousand buys, like you imagine how expensive the rock is to then yeah. take him away again from Hollywood and take him away from executive producer roles and making well what turned out to be billions like five, six years later. I like to think that they did have it in place. But from what I've read about how Cena reacted to The Rock when he, he was here in this period during this show, he hated him, by all accounts. Like Cena, he hated doing the job for him because he didn't believe that he should be. Because obviously there's the ego as well, where Cena's like, I'm the biggest guy. I could sell this fucking pay-per-view, don't worry about that. I mean, he couldn't because there was no one else for him. And I think kind of to your point, Tinky... The issue that they had at this point, there ain't fuck all in this company for the main event scene. There's no one else, really, like that you can elevate and make a genuine contender, let, let alone do it in 11 months before the next WrestleMania. I think that there definitely was a needle between them. I remember at the time, the, the promos that mm. they were doing on Raw and stuff, and they were doing face-to-face, there was a loads of talk about, you know, the fact that Cena was almost casting shade upon The Rock a lot of the time, pointing out flaws in the way The Rock was delivering his lines, mm. pointing out the fact that The Rock had his lines on his hand, like, written down to remember them, all kinds of stuff. So I can, there was definitely something, some undercurrent of something mm. going on between the two of them. And I felt like a little bit it was more, it was, you're right, kind of Cena kind of going, look, you've been away for seven years, I've carried this company since that time effectively mm. and now you're going to come in you're going to beat me at wrestlemania i've got to almost put down a marker here to show that i'm i'm the guy not you this is this is my world now not yours but i just wonder if they structured a deal like you do you see a lot in sports you know where you basically have mm. a one-year option 
but with an option to extend for a year, depending on everybody being happy that that worked, that you you remain fit, that the there was a success rate that you're all happy with. And I agree with the old man. If they get eight hundred thousand for this show, they probably lose a lot of money. I can't see The Rock's salary being based on his performance. I guarantee you, this was all guaranteed mm. money because, as yeah. I said when we did our WrestleMania 27, they must have begged him to come back because they needed mm-hmm. him so desperately that I can't see him going. Yeah, all right, I'll accept a percentage on the on the pay-per-view buys i'm certain they would have paid him a flat fee for these for these matches right i think what we'll do is we'll take a break there um we'll come back and then go through the rest of the show such as it is i don't think it'll take us too long (laughs) but we, we will see um and yeah we'll come back and we'll take a look at all that stuff In just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be joined by multi-platinum recording artist and international superstar, Flo Rida. Flo Rida will be performing here tonight at WrestleMania. He's a lifelong WWE fan and a good friend of The Rock. You don't want to interview Florida. You want to interview a real rock star. Me, the one-man Southern Rock Band Heath Slater, baby. Wow! <laughs> hey! What's up, Florida man? I'm a huge fan. Oh, Florida's full ride. That, that's that's what I meant. But anyway, picture this tonight, WrestleMania. You and me out there singing a duet. <laughs> Good, huh? No, no. Well, what what about what about this? What about I'm out there? I'm one of your DJs. You know, I'm spinning the records. Wow! No. How about I'm a backup dancer, you know? Watch these moves. You ever seen anything like this? Ooh, ooh. No. Man, what is it that I can do then? Hold my mic. <laughs> you know, you might be a guest here, right? Yo, what's going on out here? Hey, we got time for this. Just get out of here for What are you thinking? That was Flo Rida. And he just laid you out. <laughs> so welcome back. WrestleMania 28. From the beginning we go, obviously with the stuff missed out that we've already discussed again. We don't want to talk about The Rock and Cena a second time, I assume. We begin with Justin Roberts introducing Lillian Garcia to sing America the Beautiful for the 14th time, I believe this is, surely. On stage, as soldiers hold up the US flag and planes do a Passover of the stadium. Is this the third time Lillian's done it, or am I just dreaming up stuff? Definitely second. She did uh, the Canadian, didn't she do the Canadian one? In my mind, there's a Canadian one that she's done, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, I think Robert Goulet did that, didn't he? At 18? <laughs> didn't, she didn't do America the Beautiful at WrestleMania 18, even though that would have been incredible had she done it. I think it's yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I, was... thought, I thought it was her 17th time or something anyway. She feels like she's always on this thing. I'll tell you what, though, and I don't know whether it's just I've started taking herbal testosterone tablets to make myself feel like a... Uh, all, all above board, all above board, I should say, uh, to make myself feel slightly more virile into my 40s because I was lacking. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I'd just taken them, but this was an incredibly sexy version of America the Beautiful. I thought this was, she was sourcing this up. I was sitting there, oh, cry hang, like, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I know, I know why you're saying this. <laughs> because the last time you saw her do it, you were a little bit uh, a little bit chauvinistic, weren't you, Stephen? And now you're saying you had a, a herbal-induced tug over her. 
<laughs> I didn't quite go as far as that. I wasn't shaving. I was. I said if we're being correct about what I said, my, my younger version may have been a bit chauvinistic about Lillian, but not not my forty-one, but six months earlier. But yeah, I, I genuinely. I'm not even. I'm not even joking. I thought she did this in like a really sexy way. I just really liked it. So yeah, I, uh, perhaps it's uh, perhaps I've got a niche for patriotic songs. I thought vocally this was good. I thought she was very good. She kind of stripped back, wasn't too showy, got the big finish, which Stephen did as well. <laughs> but um, I despise a piped in choir. Hate it. You've paid The Rock probably fucking 10 million quid to do this. You can afford three little brats from down the road to do a little bit of choir, can't you? Yeah, I guess you can. I haven't got a lot to say about Lillian's performance here. Then we get the intro video, pictures of The Rock and Cena growing up in WrestleMania moments. They start about Taker and Triple H's history, once in a lifetime, end of an era. They're the themes, nothing else. Then we get the commentators for the night, Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler. Michael Cole still kind of slightly playing heel a little bit during this show, but no near as much as he was during WrestleMania 27 and they inform us that fans are still filing in and it does look like it because there are a lot of empty seats I don't know if that's true or they're just... They suck out like a sore thumb because they were orange, weren't they? And I think there was quite a lot of empty seats in the, in the top deck throughout, but there were a huge number mm. for the start. There were some in the, 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 the lower levels as well, which is why mm, yeah. I thought maybe this is true, but it was, a, it was an odd one. Was this one where they had some adverse weather a couple of hours before? I can, There's one year, it wasn't the Tampa show, where they have adverse weather and they can't get people in because there might have been lightning around. Possibly. I remember there being a big problem at WrestleMania 32. WrestleMania 32, uh, there were loads of people that couldn't get in for ages and the, the pre-show was happening and people were queuing where they couldn't get in. Yeah, the just, ticket scanners. Yeah, yeah. It's all a big problem. So then we get opening match, World Heavyweight Title match. The World Heavyweight Title again opening WrestleMania. This year it's Daniel Bryan defending the title against Sheamus. The match that lasts 18 seconds. What happens is that Bryan kisses AJ Lee, who is at the time in a relationship with him. Um, and then Sheamus, he turns around and Sheamus hits a brogue kick and wins the match. Oh, man. So Sheamus is extraordinarily white. Like, even for him, I think it must be the colour palette behind him. He sticks out like my ass. He must work really hard to keep his skin tone that way, especially when they're in Florida. But also, I think, like, surely he's lotioned up to the gills because if he gets a little bit of sun on that, he must be like a vampire. Just go up in flames. I'd like to hear from him how this works, the skincare regime, because he's he's both got to keep a completely white complexion for his gimmick and at Mm. the same time, you know, protect himself from any sun. He must just wear like shirts right up to the end of his wrist so that he just doesn't get exposed at all. Anyway, back to the Sheamus of it all in the wrestling sense. Enormous pop, I thought, for him. People were very happy to see him. Uh, People were also quite happy to see Daniel Bryan. There was a bit of yes in. There was those people with yes signs. Poor. Poor A4 paper yes signs. <laughs> which is a bit... Like, it felt like someone was handing them out, to be honest. Probably and there were. were probably some... Yeah, there was some drunk patrons who were like, ah, I'll take one, which is me, basically. So there's no judgment here. I thought this was a cracking little contest. I thought they got everything out of this 18 seconds they could. <laughs> they're, absolute, they're absolute class. This... It kind of annoyed me a little bit. And there was, I don't care because it was so long ago. But what it made me think was like, so you've got a big Sheamus here. So he's going to be a world heavyweight champion going forward. 
why? That was what I thought. He's not a face of the like company kind of guy. And I was just like, why did they want him to do it? And then the rest of the card happened, and I realised why. Because there's no one else, really, outside of Jericho or Punk, who you would even consider doing it for, outside of like the bigger names. But just a bit, a bit of a waste, but probably better value than the 12-minute match that they would have probably been given that would have just ended up with Sheamus winning anyway. So I thought, you know what? Make an impact, isn't it? Stephen? I mean, at the time, I hated this. It put me in a really bad mood for about 90 minutes. But looking back on it, it probably helped Brian in a roundabout way. Not that that was yeah. the intention at all. They did loads of shit to him that wasn't intended yeah. to help him. So, But it probably helps him. And actually, a few months later, like after the Punk and Jericho feud was finished, he was feuding with Punk. So you can't really, you know, you know, he had, I think he had at least one paper, maybe the July pay-per-view with Punk. So you can't really complain too much about that. And within a year, he was, you know, a year or so, he was beating Cena. So, yeah, it, it you know, they never really got behind it, but this was fine. Um, I found it interesting about the the kind of, kind of um, Brian and AJ Lee, and I was wondering in the real world whether Punk and AJ Lee were together at this point. It's all a bit incestuous, sort of partner swapping. Um, but mm. Punk and AJ Lee were not together at this point, but he was dating, uh, Brian was dating Brie Bello at this point. And that's all mm. I've got to say about this monstrosity. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. They, they didn't intend it to be good for him, but it kind of ended up being that way. And I actually wrote a piece back in 2013, shortly before his match with Cena, which was all about how WWE had done so little with him, with Daniel Bryan, and yet he had taken everything he did and turned it into absolute gold Mm. to the point where he'd managed to turn every single thing, everything, all the stuff, all the crap they'd ever gone through, the whole stuff with the Bellas where they were fighting over him, the stuff with AJ Lee where he's basically the butt of the joke and ultimately was the one who got left at the altar or whatever it was, you know, with, with... with AJ Lee, the Team Hell No stuff, which is really just a comedy thing, which turned into something that, you know, was massively over. All the stuff, including this, and he just, he's just through sheer force of will, got himself over, which is why I loved him so much, because I thought this guy is just, if, if ever the word deserved comes into it, this is it. This is a guy who's taking every single thing you've given us, giving him, right from the get-go with the Miz as his veteran when he did at NXT and all that stuff, and he lost every match and all the rest of it, the, the constant kind of anti-push that he got from the the announcers throughout that time every single bit of it and just made it into something that people were massively into him i was annoyed at the time about this match but yeah watching it now i was like well it doesn't matter he got the plate to the place he needed to get to ended up you know headlining summer slams and wrestlemanias and even when he moved to AEW, was still probably one of the biggest stars in the business uh, i'd say that he's so dropped from that since then as mm. we've discussed in the past but certainly at the time i think he he was and um yeah it's difficult to be to continue to be annoyed by it only other thing i pulled out from this was the the great sadness that hugo savinovich had clearly retired because this is the first one he's not on and we've now got marcelo rodriguez in his place alongside carlos cabrera on the spanish announced team um and for that purpose i'm giving uh, hugo savinovich my mvp he's <laughs> not, not even on the show and he's my mvp <laughs> If he was, me and Stephen would have both heard him. Yeah, we would. The, right, yeah. yeah, this is very boring. But what what television do you have, Stephen? I've got an LG, so I'm watching it on that that app. Are you the same? Yeah, exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. A fucking Ridiculous. joke. Yeah. I don't, it's don't speak Spanish. You guys both watch it on a smart TV app, yeah. 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 So this is really weird because when we bought our smart TV, it must have been like six years ago now. We had ability to watch it on a smart tv app but it's been removed it doesn't exist yeah. anymore on my smart tv so i watch it on my phone but casted to my 
to the to that TV. And I've had not I didn't have the problems you've had. So I wonder if that's the problem is that maybe the TV app is out of date or something. The fight app on the LG is really bad now. The TV is probably about three and a half years old, but I had that on my on the old one that's in the bedroom. I used to watch it on that on the on the LG Smart TV, but it disappeared. I think it gets to a certain point where they don't update it, and that, mm. I guess that's probably coming. So, but the Fire Stick version wasn't much better either. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just it's just dreadful, dreadful. Interesting. I think interesting is pushing it. Let's talk <laughs> about our five worst television technical issues. Go. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I've got one actually. So, oh, here we go, guys. Many, many years. Hold the yeah. press. Right, <laughs> right. Lean, everybody, lean in, lean in, lean in, just like you're listening to the World Cup final in '66. We had a TV. This would have been around about 93, 94. So it's not long after Batman Returns came out. So got that on video. And this TV, it was a fault in the actual TV. I think it was a Hitachi. But I don't want them to sue me. So it was just a TV brand. And if there was a really big explosion or a flash of light, it used to turn itself off. So oh there was God. a scene towards the end of Batman Returns where Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman kisses Max Schreck, who was played by Christopher Walken, but with an electric thing, like broken electric wire in there, and she kisses him, and then there's a big fire, but she's got nine lives because she's a cat. Lovely old job. I didn't see that until I was about 20. <laughs> and when I did, I was like, that was pretty good. And I'd never seen the corpse of him. <laughs> like, because it's like a skeleton with massive hair. Brilliant. I think that's probably it for TVs, to be fair. I did drop my last TV, which was annoying. Well, I just said you, you, you stretch the definition of interesting as far as it will go, I'm afraid. So um, yeah. we'll move on. Backstage, we've got Team Johnny, the Miz, giving them a little bit of a talk. Um, and then in comes Dolph and Bree and Vicky and Jack Swagger and Drew McIntyre, Mark Henry and David Otunga, who then says he's the team captain. Then John Nightus comes in and he gives a pep talk and says tonight will go down in history and be remembered for the night John Laurinaitis became GM of both Raw and SmackDown. Again, stretching the definition of interesting as far as possibly <laughs> that it can be. Fuck off. That's what I said during this. But then I realized so my MVP's here. My MVP is here. It's David Otunga's coffee cup because it's the only thing that makes him even moderately relevant that coffee cup kept him in a job i think for about two years because he just turned up and he'd be holding it and that's, that's david otunga's coffee cup being held <laughs> by david otunga if i miss something what's the significance of the coffee cup basically they weren't using him at all in the rain because he's terrible but he just at one point he just had this coffee cup and that was it he just walk in with this coffee cup comes down to the ring with it mate Fucking I mean, this is how little David Tung has made an impression on me, as I haven't noticed this at all. I thought the reason he kept a job was because he was married to someone famous. No, they got divorced and then he kept a job because he had the coffee cup. He had well, a job for years as well, didn't he? Well, he got, yeah. he got yeah. they, they got divorced in 2017 and he was released in 2018. So I, I'm sticking <laughs> with the marriage. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I did not know. It's Oscar winner Jennifer Hudson, isn't it? Yes. Right, so Cole then says on commentary that fans are still fighting into the stadium. Then we get the next match, which is Kane versus Randy Orton. And my first note here is, what have we done to deserve this? <laughs> it's an 11-minute contest, a played-before massive chance of Daniel Bryan, and the end comes when Kane hits a chokeslam from the second rope and gets a pin. This rivalry, one for the ages, this rivalry, 
Kane shook Randy Orton's hand after Randy Orton had beaten him. And that was the whole basis for the feud, because Kane was so disgusted, he came back and he obliterated Orton. Now, this started, and I was like, there's some chin locks. Kane was dominating. Orton, to his credit, is selling his fucking ass off here. Like, he is really, really working hard. And I've got to be honest, by the last, I mean, it's like 11 minutes, just under 11 minutes, last five or six minutes, I was like, you know what? This is pretty bloody good, actually, especially for what I was expecting. And by the end, I think they won the crowd over, got a decent overreaction at the end. And I thought, Kane, Orton, 11 minutes, take this any day of the week that they're fighting. I thought this was all right, you know. This was all right. I wasn't stewing in your mum's juices, though, Stephen, or whatever you said. (laughs) (laughs) So moving swiftly on, all I said was this was slow, dull for the most part, but the fans were into it, especially the female fans who do love Randy Orton. There was a moment in this match where you could clearly hear, like, a thousand odd women swooning over him. It was, I don't know what, I can't remember what exactly what happened at the time, but you could hear it, it was audible. Um, what noise does a swoon make? I, I can't do it, oh man. I, I've never swooned once in my life, but. Um, <laughs> Hang on, you never swooned the first time you saw your good lady wife? No, I, I did something less less dignified than swoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I oh, thought this was. Cool. Okay. Look at her. Oh, lovely, oh, lovely. <laughs> I think it's women, women. That was him. <laughs> yes, that was. I've never heard a better impression of me than that. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this was this was okay. It passed. That that's all I cared about. It's like it's like a, a tricky a tricky dump. But once you get through, it, like okay, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's all good. <laughs> talk about that. I'll, I'll talk about the the least just because we're in in the mood for these sorts of things. I'll talk about the least comfortable dump I've ever done in my life was basically the poo had turned sideways. So it wasn't like coming out loud. It it turned sideways. And worse still, it was in somebody else's house. So I was like, it was first thing in the morning. I stayed overnight. First thing in the morning, went into the toilet. And I was like, oh, my God. And it literally was in sort of, I try to, to figure out how I'd get this out. And I was con- I was moving my butt cheeks up and down, trying to work an angle that it would come out. <laughs> and it was just taking forever. It was just, ah, oh, it, it killed, absolutely killed. So you, you don't want that to happen to you. It was horrible, horrible stuff. Can I go with my most uncomfortable shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Cavos 2003, probably about three quarters away into a two week holiday. So my guts were as bad as I've ever been. Um, went to the toilet i'm like you know like you get those chronic cramps i'm like i'm going to shit myself i'm going to shit myself they think there was two bits of toilet roll there i've got i've got to go i've got to go unleash brown water waterfalls niagara falls <laughs> of poo to obviously the two the two bits of toilet roll are not going to be sat, like satisfactory to clean you up so the, i did the only thing i could do which was take my boxer shorts off and use them and clean myself as much as possible and just leave my shitty box shorts in the toilet and then carry on the rest of my night and i didn't quite feel clean really the rest of the evening and surprisingly enough i did not have any any luck with the ladies of cavos on that particular shitty evening i think cavos is the worst place i've ever been really what year did you go Oh, I don't know. It might have been 2003, actually. Oh, yes. we so we were there for two weeks. Like within five days, I was like, I've had enough. But then at the start of the second week, some other lads joined us. And okay. I was like, oh, they, they've livened it up with respect to those lads. It lasted two days. And I just wanted to go in. But um, I can't think of a really bad shit. <laughs> I, I could think of one 
that uh, I had at Alex Moulter's house, thinking. <laughs> he used to walk past his house to get home from school. Yeah. And I was like, oh, mate, I might have to go for a dump. And there was like a few of us. I must have been in there 20 minutes. <laughs> and like my diet when I was a teenager was ghastly. So I must have been so backed up. Oh, terrible. That, that sounds like every every dump Tom, our Tom, has ever <laughs> has ever had in my house in my parents house i should say <laughs> everything we again exactly the same thing but we were a little bit further on like 40 minutes after mm. school we'd be getting to our houses and mine come just before his and he a number of times he'd be running down the you know <laughs> trying to hurry me up saying come on i need a poo can i go in your house and, have a poo? <laughs> and you'd do that and then Tom always used to take half an hour on the bog, no matter what. Like he couldn't, he just what you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't, you weren't hurrying him up, regardless of the fact that he should have been feeling British and uncomfortable about being in somebody else's toilet. He still would last in there for half an hour. In fact, to the point where he'd ask you for a book so he could read it whilst he was on there. And then, and then he would go in and he'd yeah, he'd leave like a massive dump. And the one that I always remember is he left it in there. Three days that thing was in there. Everybody else had gone to the toilet. Everybody else's poos and piss just went straight past it. It just stayed there. Like oh my absolutely. God. <laughs> Just like a permanent <laughs> fixture at the bottom of the U-Bend. Ah. Oh, anyway, a, moving on. A, a permanent fixture. Indeed. Very nice. We need to move on because we need to get through this fucking show. Backstage, Santino talks with... Uh, who is he talking with? Captain someone. Who is it? Captain Keith. Captain Keith, that's it. And Mick Foley. Keith is from Dead Red Something Catch. Dead... dead. Deadliest catch. Deadliest catch. That's the one. And I'm, I've got to be honest. I'm not, I'm not going to read the rest of my notes. All, all I'll say is that Mick Foley should be ashamed to have been associated with this because this mm-hmm. is fucking atrocious. This, yeah, this awesome. might yeah. be the worst thing in WrestleMania history. It is yeah. so bad. Thankfully, Ron Simmons comes along at the end and says, "Damn," because if that hadn't happened, the whole thing was irredeemable. It was utter shite. The, the crab bit was the crab stuff. They were smashing up crabs, and I'm just like, this is really uncomfortable. Yeah. This is these are dead beings that you're smashing up on tea. I mean, I'm not a vegan mm. or vegetarian, but it made me want to be vegan after this because it was it was really mm. really disgusting. I thought, and I don't think you do this today. Yeah. Then Justin Roberts welcomes the Florida National Guard members in the crowd. There's then some video hype for a series of Big Show's worst moments at WrestleMania has gone by. Um, apparently this was part of this, <laughs> this video, was amazing. Was, apparently was, this video amazing. was put together by Cody as a mind game on the Big Show. Mm. Any specific comments you want to make about the video? I've just written it was amazing, but I don't think I've got any particular bits. But, oh, I, do you know what? The bit where he lifted up the kid and goes and said, it's WrestleMania, baby. That was really good. <laughs> I want to just quickly go back to the National Guard. There's three or four of them. Front row, mm-hmm. lovely old job. Outstanding. The rest of them had really crap seats, I thought. I mean, don't go wrong. They probably didn't pay, so it wasn't all bad. But they weren't the best seats. Um, I thought this little video for the big show just summed up his WWE run, didn't it? And that... To be honest, that's kind of what I thought they were getting at. As a bit like they're proper mugging them off here. Yeah. But good shit, good shit. That's that's the weird thing, isn't it? As well, actually, when you look back on it, it was really poor. His run mm. in WWE, like in yeah. general, it was just really, really, really quite poor. And it doesn't feel that way because he kind of, I think, just through length of tenure in the end, kind yeah. of became something that they could be like, oh, he's an institution. But actually. 
Yeah, he had a really fucking bad time of it. Mm. All this is before Cody Rhodes' defense of the Intercontinental title against the big shower match that goes for just over five minutes. Cody hits a disaster kick, but when he goes for a second, the big show tackles him down, then hits the KO punch and wins the match. Uh, on commentary, Michael Cole says, Big Show finally has his WrestleMania moment. This is the big one. And Big Show sells it by crying as he holds it up the Intercontinental <laughs> Oh, God. I thought that um, Cody's character appeared to be his character essentially was he's smiling having a lovely time and then he's not smiling he's gurning and that's his character his no, that's his character development he's also in pants which was really weird um, but my favourite bits of the whole match two things Michael Cole suggested that Big Show's arsehole had the potential to be particularly smelly in the heat of Miami after he shoved it into poor Cody's unsuspecting face. <laughs> so, also, Cody was speared directly in the dick after a disaster kick, and then he lost. It's not a good night for Cody. It's just, it's just so funny. Oh, my God. It's so good. So good. <laughs> I mean, this is a flat little raw match, isn't it? Yeah. And then at the end, Big Show has a cry. <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, again, the crowd, they were into it. The crowd liked it. They yeah, were like, yeah. you know what? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have it. I did think, though. So they made a deal of Cody Rhodes' 200-plus day reign as Intercontinental Champion. I'm like, what? This is how you end it. He then wins it back at the next pay-per-view, beats Big Show again in the pay-per-view after that. And it's like... wow. What? Why? Do, what, oh, so the big show could cry. <laughs> yeah. So they gave him his WrestleMania moment. That's the only reason this happened. It, 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 it was fake. Now. Don't question it, old man. This, Don't is, question it. The whole, the no, whole thing. No, no. Apart. This is. Is this genuinely his best WrestleMania moment? I mean, like in terms of glory in a match. His Character best. Best. His best WrestleMania moment is that entire hardcore match of WrestleMania 17. Yeah, I mean that was. That's more fun. Good. I this. guess. The, yeah. The Mayweather, the Mayweather match is probably the one. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree. Like, whatever. I thought this was OK, but nothing worth getting. Okay, so it's five minutes. Whatever. Who cares? Moving on. Um, <laughs> this is the this is the way I feel about the whole show. This is what I was saying in the first half, though. Like it just there's just not a lot to talk about. It's just a lot of very fluffy. Yeah. Great. Done. Wasn't terrible, but wasn't actually very interesting either we get a video package documenting the divas and their lifestyle with madonna song over the top oh so this is basically an fhm video isn't it That's pretty much I yeah. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i suppose so i mean so this is their lifestyle just walking around in bikinis to a terrible madonna song <laughs> they thank madonna for this yeah. they thank her <laughs> well they, they, they probably I'm, were like, I would have fucking grotted her <laughs> they were probably like madonna can we have a song for wrestlemania it's like all right fine i'll give you this b-side from some long forgotten single that i put yeah. out 25 years ago or something yeah. or she was like what's wrestlemania possibly we then got beth phoenix and eve torres against kelly kelly and maria menounos i thought originally this was a divas title match for some reason i did it mm. was all very very confused more daniel bryan chants take place during this one this one's actually longer than the big show cody rhodes match and the sheamus daniel bryan match put together <laughs> Six and a half minutes long uh, and ends when Maria Menounos tags in, uh, but she's hurt and Phoenix catches her on top. And I don't know what I've written here. Flipping out. This is clearly another case of me falling asleep whilst this is all going on. Um, basically, Menounos rolls up Phoenix for the win. That's what I'm going to say. I don't even know what yeah. happened before that point because yeah. my, my uh, handwriting is so bad. Um, old man, any thoughts? Yes. So 
Maria Menounis is wearing white trousers. Oh yeah. She, oh no. Yeah. She <laughs> then uh, <laughs> she then has a moment. Suddenly where her the derriere, memories come flooding back. Yeah. Yeah. Her derriere <laughs> dares to go near Eve Torres's face. Eve Torres is a beautiful lady. She's obviously wearing some fake tan here because some of it comes off on Maria's bot bot. And it looks like she's done a poo-poo. <laughs> within seconds, within seven seconds of her getting in the ring, she'd shit herself at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. Maria gets a leg lock put on her, on her ribs. I don't know why. Then Beth Phoenix puts a bear hug on her. Then, and this isn't a sentence I ever thought I'd say, there's a hot tag to Kelly Kelly. She gets the hot tag. I mean, a media match. In fairness, there's an impressive cannibal type deal. That she does. I think it's off the top rope. Something else happens and then it ends. And I thought, you know what? That was pretty bad. But it wasn't as bad as I expected. And that kind of is the theme of the card so far. So in keeping, isn't it? When I was when I was trying to think of bad WrestleMania moments, I Googled worst worst moments in WrestleMania history and it was a hundred. Most of them weren't that good, but I think Maria Munoz shitting herself was like seven or something. Like it was way it was way too near the top. It's just like unbelievable. Uh I won't mention his name because I did mention his name once in the podcast. I know no better to mention uh, a certain journalist. But in one of a, a fine moment of his his writing, he wrote that fans were chanting that she shit in her pants. Uh, like, <laughs> um, yeah. I just don't know what to say. Kelly Kelly, like AJ Styles in a couple of spots in this, so that was good. And Eve always reminds me, I think it was Eve, who had a love triangle with Zack Ryder and John Cena, maybe, and then pushed Zack Ryder off the off off the stage in a wheelchair. They're supposed to be like a heel move. They pissed themselves laughing because it was Zack Ryder. So yeah, I mean, what's this to say? <laughs> Essentially hilarious. Yeah, that, that that'll teach her to do a stink face, won't it? That's, that's yeah. basically what we're saying there. Yeah. So then we get Matt Stryker with Shawn Michaels. He says that the match with Undertaker and Triple H is the end of something. It's either the end of the streak or the end of the game. He says it's ironic that he has the power in his hand to end an era. This was a pretty by-the-numbers promo, I thought, for old Michaels. Um, also not true. It wasn't the end of the game, was it? It wasn't a streak versus career match. It just no. didn't make any sense. Uh, next, Justin Roberts announces a new attendance record at Sun Life Stadium. I didn't get the number down, but I'm sure it was in the 70,000s. Uh, I think I did, actually. Uh, 78,363. That is, here we go. So there have been 2,500 events in 25 years at that stadium. So actually quite impressive when you if break true. it down like that. If true. Mm. I, th- I think it was 10 people was the real number. <laughs> it was basically... Those people from the National Guard and the three pilots who get shown right, uh, <laughs> just before the main event. Then Roberts introduces Jim Ross to the crowd and he comes out for them to take a Triple H match. Cole gives him a slightly frosty welcome. And I think this is part of him still playing heel slightly, but not really fully. It was, a, I don't know what that's been, nonsense. After the match, the Undertaker Sean Michaels match, they shake hands and all that stuff. JR speculates whether we'll ever see Taker or Triple H in the ring again. We do. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we get um, some highlights from the night before at the Hall of Fame. The inductees for this year's class were Ron Simmons, Mil Mascaris, the Four Horsemen, Yokozuna, Mike Tyson, and Edge. 
this is obviously just after the Taker Triple H match, and I don't know what's happened, but oh man, you and I and Tom have always been very, very, very specific, mm. particular about the way a man wears his collar and his suit. And Michael Cole's collar is all over the fucking place. It's turned up at the edges. It's like, oh, it looks yeah. ridiculous. It's terrible. You're like, come on, mate, you got to sort it out. Otherwise, we're just going to have a problem here, Michael. <laughs> Otherwise, um, we're gonna have a problem here. Yeah, Michael. that's right. We're, yeah, and it might be Maria <laughs> Menounos shitting herself style problem. <laughs> then, how Finkel introduces the 2012 Hall of Fame class to the live audience. Tyson repeats his worst crotch chop ever that he yeah. did back at WrestleMania yeah, 14. Yeah, love it. And uh, edges teary eyed as he's introduced. Very sad. Can we just dwell on this? So Edge is just a smidge short of one year since he retired. Already in the Hall of Fame. It's pretty. I know it's shit, the Hall of Fame, really. But that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Like, that they turned around and they were like, yeah, you. I think the reason they did it is because, as we know, the, re- the Hall of Fame exists to make money. And they figured that the best time yeah. to make money with Edge was as soon as possible after his retirement. Yeah, that's mm. true. That's fair. Josh Matthews is backstage with Heath Slater, who says you don't want to interview Flo Rida. So Slater suggests he and Flo Rida sing a duet or he does some DJing, asks what he can do, and Flowrider says he can hold his mic. Slater gets in his face, and then Flowrider pushes him down. And that's this another really bad <laughs> backstage segment, as you can tell, with the way my voice is trailing off as we complete the explanation of what happened. Way too aggressive on Heath, I thought, here. Um, but yeah. the mo- wasn't he really nastily aggressive, like a kind of... One of your mates, he can't like handle his drink and always just a bit, gets a bit aggy. Though the best thing about this was the fact that... Oh, in, man. I was saying... <laughs> oh, no, you were lovely when you were... I, I can't remember when how many beers you were in, but it was quite a long day, wasn't it? You were absolutely lovely. Surpassed all of my expectations for our meeting in, uh, in Cardiff last September. So mm, I can't wow. believe that's possibly true. He was on his best behaviour. Yeah. And in fairness, it's been a good few years since I've been a proper oh. villain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for a couple, a good couple of years. My my personal favourite was shortly after I came back from university, and we went to see the big time uh, Tom's dad's band, by the way. And old man was already drunk by the time he got there. He was just slapping everyone in the face, full as hard as oh, he could, slap, yeah. like properly as hard as he that could. That was a bad, yeah. That, so that that was a night that I had some strong cider, and that was the last time I had strong cider. Was that that night? No, it wasn't that night. It was a different night. Nah. Where he also slapped oh, everyone yeah. loads. <laughs> oh. That like, was the Thatcher's, so, Thatcher's Katie night. That yeah, yeah. so we have told this story on the pod before, but our mate Johnny, yeah, he's, to be fair, he's about your height, Stephen. So he's a tall, he's a tall lad, and he's, a, he's a, the kind of guy that if he wants, he could probably throw you across the room. Mm. he did say to me so it was th- that's right because we were out that night and i started skating the following week the big time we're playing and i was like i remember like the week before i was just like fucking hell, i'm gonna have to see all those guys again because it was the same guys and johnny did say to me he said this is like later on in the night after we'd had a couple of beers he said honestly mate he said, if I didn't like you so much, I would have fucking ended you oh last Saturday. And I was like, Jesus. I punched him in the balls about three times. Oh, horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. In fairness, I think it's maybe a better person. Yeah. 
Well, next up, Team Johnny, <laughs> the Miz, Mark Henry, Drew McIntyre, Jack Swagger, Dolph Ziggler, and David Tunga take on Team Teddy, Kofi Kingston, Great Carly, Archie, Zack Ryder, Booker T, and Santino Morella. Team Johnny are accompanied by Nikki Bella and Vicky Guerrero. Uh, Team Teddy are accompanied by Brie Bella, Aksana, Hornswoggle, and Eve Torres. The uh, entourage for Team Teddy a bit longer, a bit larger than the heels, which mm. surely bad, terrible uh, psychology. This one, a 12-man tag team match, lasts for ten and a half minutes. And it ends when uh, Ryder's in control, does his woo-woo-woo thing with Eve, but then she distracts Ryder accidentally, seemingly, and Miz hits the skull-crushing finale for the pin. But after the match, Eve low-blows Ryder and walks out. Stunning heel turn by Eve Tots. Steven? Um, this is your match tonight, isn't it, Ben? You love a bit of brand supremacy, especially at WrestleMania. So <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely one. That's what it's all about, um, mate. I've got a very niche sentence coming up. I was arguing with someone about Naito winning the G1. Why have I even written that? What a waste of space. During this, so... Fuck! I know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I've watched a few weeks ago <laughs> and I've forgotten what I've written in my notes. Yeah, so I, I, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to this, but I ju- it just went on a little bit too long. Um, and I know why they did it to quieting the crowd down before the title match blah 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 but i don't i don't necessarily really agree with that but i did really enjoy zach Ryder because i know how much this would have meant to him being at wrestlemania and being embarrassed being low blowed etc brilliant pinned loved it loved the finish but everything before that i did not enjoy it all that much so they bring booker t who's commentator at this time they bring him back for what is officially his last wwe match mm. yeah so he'd like done like the odd thing like the odd match and uh and i was like poor booker t he can obviously still go he there's obviously reasons why he's not wrestling full time because his body was probably given up on him but i was like they brought him back for this no idea why i've got literally no idea why because he doesn't do a huge i don't even do a spinner really does he yeah i got so bored i almost got the old potato peel around but um it's just terrible. I cannot believe this is on WrestleMania. Hmm. I cannot get my head around it. And it's just not good at all. No one, no one cares. Like, to say that the crowd don't care is an understatement. They, uh, I think it's Kofi and uh, someone else, I can't remember who, do a double jump. It might be our truth do a double jump over the top. And that, uh, sorry, through the ropes, that gets a little bit off the crowd. But it lasts, much like myself, it lasts mere seconds. And it's just not a good use of, like, The Miz, Booker T, or Mark Henry, I don't think. Because I think at this stage, each of those guys is probably capable of having a passable singles match. Or just make it a smaller tag match, isn't it? Like, after, instead of David Otunga, just have his coffee cup. Have his coffee cup in there. Instead of Swagger, don't have Swagger. Instead of Drew, don't have Drew. Like, he just looks like a lost little lamb. Instead of Carly, don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. Don't worry about Ryder. It's most never got Zack Ryder. Don't understand it. Santino can lick a dick, to be honest. The more I see of him in these shows and I catch the odd little bits, he's fucking annoying as shit. Crap. Don't want it. Don't like it. Don't like Johnny Laurinaitis. Get off my TV. <laughs> wow. I mean, the reason there, the reason this match is here is just to get a bunch of people on the show that isn't yeah. aren't going to get on the show. You're right in saying that some of these could have done more, but I mean, like, there's no time or space for them, is there? No. Like, t- 
two of these matches take about two hours of the whole show. Yeah. There's just yeah, not enough fair. space for anything else, really, is there? Undertaker um, and, and Triple H, uh, I meant to say this earlier on, I, I, this is very sad, but I, from the time the, I think the backstage Shawn Michaels thing to when they went through the curtain was 54 minutes. So right. that is a long old chunk of show um, just mm. dedicated to that stuff. And I guess the rock and scene is probably not far off an hour either, is it, with the video package? It's about the same. Well, video package, the musical stuff. So you've got Flo Rida and Machine Gun Kelly. It's all part of the rock scene, I think. Yeah. So. Then we get a shot of Alex Rodriguez and Tori Wilson in the crowd. This is, uh, I would say, the second most interesting dating hookup of one of the divas after Stacey Keebler with George Clooney. I didn't realise this, mm. this had happened. But uh, yeah, A-Rod and Tori Wilson, very interesting. Three years, apparently, they were together as well. I was yeah, just looking at yeah, that. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, and um, yeah, allegedly Tori Wilson got fed up because A-Rod was still very close with his ex-wife, who was, who, well, who is the father of his two daughters. Yeah, so there's a little bit of context for you. And his, Hang on, his, his ex-wife <laughs> is the father of his two daughters? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, because Sorry. I've committed. Hey, mate, look, gender knows no boundaries. That anymore. is possible. That Thank is possible, you. to be fair. Yeah, that is possible. Yeah. Have, have you possible, seen Junior? But it's not true, is it? No, no, it's not true. <laughs> so have you seen Junior? Unfortunately, yes, I've seen that film. <laughs> Precisely. We then get a video package of WrestleMania week events. We get access, the Be A Star Assembly, the Pro-Am Golf Tournament, the Art Show, the Fashion Show, the WrestleMania Reading Challenge, and some twat and a proposal of some kind that happened. <laughs> How do I get an invite to the WrestleMania Pro-Am Golf Tournament? I'm still, uh, yeah, Is that still a thing? Are you a pro golfer? No, but I'm an AM golfer. Yeah, but the AMs are the WWE stars, aren't they? Ah, I suppose they are. I've got a lot of work to do. Handicap 17.6. Just uh, just before we move on from this, we haven't done one for a while, mate. But we're going to have a little... Tyron Baxton of the week. Here, at this event, like I want it, it's like the art show. James Durbin is there who has Tourette's and Asperger's, massively the WWE. But the real fact is, is that their claim to fame is that they finished fourth in the 2011 season of American Idol. Tyron Faxton of the week. There we go, lads. Love that. like it. Love it. Brilliant stuff. The winners of the WrestleMania Reading Challenge are shown in the front row next. They're not. They're not in the front row. There are people in front of them. All right. They they tell you that they're in the front row. Yeah, this really annoyed me, and I I think I'd had enough to be honest. After that, after that tag match, I think I'd had enough. I was like, they're not in the front row. Stop lying to us. First, you said what? Johnny First... Laurinaitis wasn't a sex pest, and now this. <laughs> No, 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 you missed off a load of lies. So first of all, it, you told us it was once in a lifetime. Then Shawn oh, Michaels yeah. told us he was the Undertaker or the game that was going to end at the end of this match. Oh, yeah. That didn't happen. There's all kinds of stuff going on. It was un- unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and they also announced Matt Stryker as an interviewer, I think. He's not. <laughs> He's just a blob. <laughs> Next up, backstage, John Laurinaitis is celebrating and he walks past CM Punk. Laurinaitis says Punk looks angry. He says he doesn't want a brawl out there. He wants a wrestling match. So add the stipulations of the WWE title match that if Punk gets DQs, he'll lose the title. Did they learn nothing from WrestleMania 25? No, apparently not. No. So, oh, shit. that match is next. The WWE title match, CM Punk versus Chris Jericho, a 22 and a half minute match, which ends when Punk and Jericho exchange some pinfalls and Punk 
puts Jericho in the Anaconda vice. Jericho escapes with elbows, but Punk manages to lock it in again, and Jericho taps. Steven? CM Punk's lip ring. I did not remember that. I'm not sure it was a good look for him, but I guess he must have had that during the Pipe Bombs era, or was it a thing that came afterwards? I was reasonably obsessed with this for a little bit of time. Um, (laughs) I thought this followed such a dead period of the show, and I thought the crowd was... It was it was a challenge for them to get into this. Um, there were some CM Punks. I, th- I think CM Punk was was genuinely over at this point as a babyface, and there were some Punk chants from time to time, but it never got close to electric. I remember seeing him in London, probably a, the probably a month or so off this, and the crowd in the O2 was electric for him. And I think he was over in most places, but until Jericho got the walls on, I don't think people were really into this. Um, and I, I I did I did find the kind of WWE match sort of protection of finishes a bit grating by when they hit one they wouldn't pin straight away and it just completely took all the drama out of the out of the kick out it's like does that really protect someone's finish by that when it's wrestlemania it's like surely you should be throwing everything at this and kicking out of everything because wrestlemania i thought it got as far as good in the end but not any further than that i agree they really struggle i think to get any care in it at all from the audience they kind of pop for some of the high spots like they even bring out the not often seen jericho suplexes punk to the outside from the inside and the crowd didn't even get out for that because they go oh and then that's it and it must have been agonizing for them to be honest like having this match it must have been really hard the code breaker when punk comes off the top rope looks very good gets a good reaction from the crowd but they can't sustain it. And I think it's kind of to your point, Stephen, they keep hitting stuff and then pausing and then crawling over. There's too many attempts at the GTS, I think, so the people don't really care. And I just, I'm going to say something that I don't think you're going to like, to be honest, Stephen. But I think this is CM Punk's run with workers that he has to drag something out of. Okay. I think. Yeah, I think put him in there with someone who is very confident in what they're doing. And I think you're right. I think Jericho at this point, well, Jericho said like numerous times, the very first thing they do in this feud, he pours alcohol on Punk Mm. outside the ring on Raw. And Jericho is wearing like, like smart shoes, walks over and he slips over. And he said he was like, from then, the angle was completely dead. And they had about another six weeks or so till they got to Mania. And I don't think Jericho's heart's in this at all. I think he knows that they're not getting their reactions. And quite honestly, this is Jericho at Mania, isn't it? Yeah. This is is big match Jericho. And I think Punk suffers from it. And then you see what Punk's capable of the following year when he's in there with someone who's clearly defined in what they are has a nice little move set that he can work off. He can sell for, he can get the sympathy on him even as a heel in that match. But yeah, this this is uh this is a feeling where you feel like you've got to take a big old turd and then you go and sit down and then it's just a little like pebble and then it's yeah. done. Yeah. I know that feeling well. <laughs> yeah, this disappointing, but not surprisingly so. And this was what finished me off when we were watching it. Weirdly I've gone through watching a few of these CM Punk matches back and I'm really enjoying Punk's work more than I did at the time. I'm really Mm. finding stuff more interesting than I did at the time. I actually really liked this match. I thought it was really decent. And I don't, again, I I can't, it's been weird. I I felt the same when I watched WrestleMania 27. I thought his match with Randy Orton was far better than I remembered it. 
Um, and I've just, I maybe it's just because I'm interested, and then that kind of just draws me in. But mm. I am really revisiting Punk's work. I'm really quite enjoying it. Having said that, I do want to pull out, and I know there's been some clips of a, a GTS that CM Punk did recently, uh, as we're recording this, which was really fucking bad. I've never liked the GTS. I don't think Punk's big enough to do it well. I, d- I don't think he's ever done it particularly well. And I've always felt it's been a, it's a little bit underwhelming. I don't really like when he was facing Cena. I was like, you're not big enough to pull this move off. It just doesn't it just look weird. I'm always worried you're going to drop them or at least not get your knee up quick enough. It just it just I don't think it works. And there's a lot of the end of this match, which is about the GTS. And it, I just I was I'm always I'm just taken out of the match. Usually when he goes for a GTS, I just don't think it works. I don't know if anyone's got any. It's quite a hard move physically for him to do because you're talking about kind of like a the, the wrestlers in a squat position across your your thing. Mm. Then you've got to press mm. them and they can't really. Do, I guess they can press off you a little bit, but that is awkward. <laughs> you've got to get them over your head mm. and then you've got to knee them. So it's going to be. I mean, that Samoa Joe one was very sloppy, wasn't it? Is, is the one you're, you're referring yeah. to. But Punk's OK in the ring now. But he's he's not as good as he was when he first came back, and I wonder how much he's holding back because of he's you know he's been injured quite a lot. So I mean, he, what is he now? Forty four. I mean, he's not. Well, I think the other thing about Punk is he's not an athlete. He never was an athlete. No, that's no, not no. really his strength. His strength is the storytelling aspect of of what he does. I just but I just think like Punk's fine if he's doing the move to Rey Mysterio, but yeah. when he has to do it to someone who's even marginally bigger than him, like Jericho, who's just ever so slightly bigger, it just it starts to look really awkward and I don't really understand why people like it. All in all though, I enjoyed this match and I said Punk in particular is holding a lot more interest for me than, than he had done previously. I don't know why it's, it's a strange one. Andy Garcia is shown in the crowd during this match as well. Yeah, oh, a big name. This is what I'm saying. Vince was loving this. He's got all these bloody celebrities mm. there. He's got all, you know, all the kind of bells and whistles, the all the pyrotechnic, all the fireworks, everything. He's just this is proper glitzy WrestleMania Vince McMahon excitement. Well, and also Andy Garcia is a perfect Vince McMahon celebrity in that he's not been relevant for about <laughs> yeah. 15 years. Okay. <laughs> like, and that's when the greatest respect to Andy Garcia. So he's a cracking little actor, but he hasn't really done anything since that film he did. You know, no, that, that film one. he did. Oh, that one. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you mean the one about gangsters, don't you? No, I don't the, actually. I mean the, the one with, um, oh, hang on. No, that's The Untouchables. Damn you. I was trying to swerve everyone by making people think it was Godfather. And then I was going to be like, no, The Untouchables, obviously. Uh, no, it's actually When a Man Loves a Woman. And that was 1994. So that was 18 years before. Never even heard of that, mate. So. <laughs> well, I, th- I think they basically called it that so they could use the song. Right. Yeah. Okay. There's one last thing that happens before. Two last things, sorry, that happens before we've covered everything. First is the video hyping WrestleMania 29 at MetLife Stadium in New York. That's what we've got to look forward to in a couple of weeks' time. And then the three pilots who threw the F-15s at the start of the show are shown in the crowd. That is our lot. So the pilots then, they worked hard to get them there, didn't they? And then they make them go on screen for far too long. And then you know they got shuffled back to their crap seats because there are no seats where they are. You know they got shuffled to the back row at the top tier. Maybe they got out the planes as they were going past and landed in their seats. See, that would have been very impressive. That would have uh, been. Planes crashed, thousands dead, but it was God. worth it for the stunt. They, they'd be my MVP if they did that, i got to be honest. It was very impressive. Um, Sorry, the pilots or the thousands dead? <laughs> no, if the pilots had managed to safely eject themselves from their seats mm. in their 15s and land in the stadium and nobody had come to harm, they would have been my MVPs. I do actually have a genuine question now. Who the fuck knows what a military plane is? Like, 
They thought he's like, oh, the F-15 pilots. I'm like, the fuck is an F-15? Well, I wonder I, if it's... Did I use one on holiday? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Who cares? Anyway, um, <laughs> our thoughts, our overall thoughts on the show, scores out of 10 and any other business we haven't cleared up. Let's start with you, old man. Well, we got my MVP, David Tunga's Coffee Cup. I uh, got my match of the night, which is Helen Nassau. The end of an era, Helen Nassau. But obviously, as we found out early in the show, it's probably for the list of those like about a month ago. It was a very close run thing with Rock and Cena. So this is on paper. This is a two match card. Basically, the trouble is, see, Tinky did such a good job of basically summing this show up. <laughs> Sorry. In his yeah. talking point, I'm now going to say what he did. And I might do an impression as well. Oh, I'm Tinky. I'm a bastard. <laughs> Perfect. I'm no. fucking uncanny, old man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's built on two matches. One excellent, the other very good. And the rest is completely throwaway. I despised the 12-person tag match. Did not like that. Did not like the finish. The finish, I forgot to say this, is basically a rip-off of what they did the year previous. Not at Mania. But Eve Torres had cheated on bloody Zack Ryder then with Cena. And somehow Cena's the fucking face. Ah, crazy shit. But yeah, there's a, some raw matches on here. I think Matt uh, described WrestleMania 27 as basically an episode of Raw. A lot of this is. But like I said, apart from the 12-person tag, it was fine. It was absolutely fine. It went along at a nice enough pace. I was in a few sections and a couple of rough sections. But... That was more because I was missing a bit of energy from the match before. But yeah, I thought this was all right. And I'm going to give it a six, which surprised me because I thought it was, thought it was going to be a five. But I think the quality of that main event just tipped it, just tipped it almost a seven, but not quite good enough. Hmm, interesting. I thought... Thank this you. Was, yeah, sorry. Almost interesting is our worst TV uh, disasters. I this, <laughs> this is a little bit wrestling like for me though i love this main event i really 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 like the main event and i think between that end of an era i think if i'd watched that without the technical difficulties and as you rightly said sam some of the stuff about wrestlemania 26 i'd actually forgotten fair enough perhaps some of my my um my nonsense with that weren't well founded the crowd lapped it up punk and jericho is pretty good as well um i'm going seven out of ten for wrestlemania and i think that's the biggest the, the highest score I've, ever, I've given to any of these wrestlemania so far which is um because i didn't do 19 or 17 i think 19 was already in the archive so yeah i thought this was this was a pretty good show i thought actually well, i think this would be a really good one to go to actually as well i think if you're ending the night with a rock winning with the stuff you have other stuff you've seen i think you'd be really mm. satisfied with this did you give your mvp the rock I keep a record. I don't know why, because uh, you know, I don't, I don't revisit it very often. Well, I mean, when you've got MVPs like the Tunga's Coffee Cup, then you know, <laughs> that's why you keep it because you did that amazing run through of the stupid ones that we had when me, you, and Tom were absolutely killing ourselves. Uh, maybe I'll do it again, but it, it uh, yeah, it may be a while away yet. Uh, I'm giving this a six out of ten as well. Um, I didn't like the main event as much as you guys, but I thought it was good. And I thought that the Hell in a Cell match was really good. And I liked the CM Punk Chris Jericho match a lot. But I thought the rest of it was terrible. I thought the rest of it was utter shite. Like everything in between the matches was bad. I thought the matches were poor or throwaway or don't care. Randy Orton versus Kane. I mean, come on, fucking hell. Like it's, it's like a joke of a WrestleMania match. It's like, <laughs> but again, it felt like if you put it into an algorithm and said, Come on, AI, give me a WrestleMania, a typical WrestleMania card. Randy Orton versus King would be on that fucking show. Just know it. 
Brilliant. got the Daniel Bryan World Heavyweight title loss in 18 seconds, which if they were not hiding it much at WrestleMania 27 that the World Heavyweight title was secondary to it, to the WWE title, they were fucking announcing it in this in this particular show. You got the terrible Team Johnny versus Team Teddy, the terrible tag team match with Maria Menounos involved. Like there's just a lot of really fucking shit stuff on the card. And then there's three matches that are really good. And they're the only things that matter, in fairness. And so I can't really, you know, be too harsh. I didn't think it was a bad show. But I think, as I said, all the way through this, I just struggled to find things that that I felt were worth talking about, (laughs) about the show. It's the biggest WrestleMania in history, maybe. That remains Mm -hmm. a controversial point. And yet I felt like it had, it did so little. Like, so little came out of it in terms of, I don't know, anything to think about, talk about. Like, the next day, even if you were excited for the following year's WrestleMania where they had the rematch, rematch, there's going to be nothing for the next six months that was going to be of interest to you. Same goes for The Undertaker Triple H. They were fucking off again because, again, they couldn't go as often. And to your point, old man, the roster's fucking atrocious. Like, Punk is carrying the whole thing. Jericho's really the only person you can see in a decent title match with him they have to visit cm punk versus brian daniel bryan because they've got nothing else you know punk always said that they don't you shouldn't really go there unless they've got nothing else they had nothing else so they went to them for the next sort of three or four months it's just not a good roster it's not a good time for wwe and they the wrestlemanias are really filled out by those part-time stars that kind of did this and i I think we got to a critical mass in in the next in this year and the next couple of years with that in the Mm. For years, it had felt like this was a problem and it would kept being put back, like the fix to it kept being put back. And I think we kind of the rock was kind of a very expensive temporary fix for that situation. And mm. after that, we really had to to go some to, to make things work again. And I think, to be honest, they struggled until about the last three or four years, to be honest, where they've kind of turned that tide now and they've got past the, the awkward bit in the middle where it was kind of like, oh, we scramble around for Lesnar to come in and Shane McMahon and various other bits and pieces. And, and mm. they've kind of finally come out the other side. Well, of course, um, it was the night after this that Lesnar comes back, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Take a Triple H match of the night, Hugo Savinovich MVP, because he deserves it for his long service as the Spanish announce uh, partner who was no longer there because he'd retired, I assume. I hope he wasn't sacked because that just sounds like... Of course, of course he was. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right, guys. Well, thank you. Uh, we'll, end, we'll end the podcast on that that really sad and desperate mm. moment, bit of news or thought, I guess. Not really news. It's long, long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, old man, thank you for your contributions today. Thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been good, actually. It's, I think it's the second one Stephen and I have done together. Yeah, I can't remember what the first one was. AWA yeah. Super Clash? It was. I've looked oh, it. yeah, it was, well, it was me, me, you and Tom, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, when Tinky was busy. Oh, I've got a, oh, I've got a young baby. You try needing to poop three times a day, and then you can live in my shoes, mate. <laughs> but we don't want you to think about that. What do we want you to do, lads? Rate, review, and remember Ken Patera. And Stephen, thank you for joining us today as well. Thank you. And I'm actually going to throw a little plug out there because if you haven't had Ooh. enough of the oh, guys, I've got that in the whole time. It's been it's been rubbing that, at me. You got that in the hole? I've got that. No, it's been inside me the whole time. I kind of wanted that plug to be somewhat clean, but this is you got more more of this is coming 
if you're not sick of uh, if two sorry if you're not sick of the if you're not sick of the random wrestling review that's not a great plug is it <laughs> if you want more of the random wrestling review guys in your life the forbidden door of podcasting is coming down because on the 12 around the 12th of september a few of the guys i'll leave it as a surprise are joining me for uwf episode uwf the final year episode nine stay tuned to social media maybe out already by the time this comes out but i'm very excited about that we haven't recorded it yet so uh, who knows how many things we're about to edit out around potential alleged sex pests or not. I haven't watched the shows yet, so it could be full of them. Yeah, this is going to be the, the, the most work you'll ever have to do on a podcast, I would imagine. <laughs> uh, this has been the Random Wrestling Review. We'll be back in two weeks with WrestleMania 29. There'll be a bonus episode in the middle as well, I'm sure. Woo! Till then, take care. Same as it ever was.